If you sell by referral, relationship building, and network marketing, pick a time and let's talk about podcasting. You might be surprised. When done correctly, all you have to do is have the conversations. Simply dial 239-351-5575 and ask for Tom. That's 239-351-5575. Or go to lawfirmpodcasts.com to schedule a call. Welcome to the NJ Criminal Podcast. In this episode, Meg teams up with Melissa Rosenblum to discuss the highlights of a recent CLE training that focused on Miranda rights in New Jersey. Please enjoy. Welcome to the NJ Criminal Podcast. Okay, so welcome back to a special edition of NJ Criminal Podcast and the Mighty Merp. Uh, I am Meg McCormick-Horner, and I'm here joined with Melissa Rosenblum. Melissa, welcome. Thanks, Meg. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I am too. I am too. And we've been uh, planning to have this conversation and record this conversation for a couple weeks. We uh, did a training uh, back on September 30th for the Atlantic County Bar Association on the topic of Miranda. And I think, and you can you can uh, jump in here whenever you'd like, but we felt that there were quite a few New Jersey Supreme Court cases as well as New Jersey Appellate Division cases uh, that came down this past year, since January, on this topic of Miranda. Uh, to and they were they were so significant that we felt it was important to share them with uh, other attorneys, prosecutors, and defense attorneys. And we had a CLA that I think went well, and we felt that it was a good idea to perhaps uh, record a little bit of a shortened version of the highlights, the highlights reels from the from the training. There was a quote that came up in several of the Supreme Court decisions, uh, and that quote is, the privilege against self-incrimination as set forth in the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution is one of the most important protections of the criminal law. And so I think that the theme, if there is one, to uh, these decisions are that it really is the obligation of the police to protect an individual suspect's constitutional rights. And the way they do that is by uh, making sure they honor any invocation of the right to counsel. So anytime somebody, a person is being interviewed and even even vaguely mentions a desire for a lawyer, the police have to stop and clarify whether or not they want a lawyer, whether or not they want to keep going with the interview. Um, but I think even on top of that, uh, the Sims decision and the cases that all came after uh, State v. Sims uh, really turn on the requirement that if police have a complaint in hand, uh, an arrest warrant or a, or a complaint in hand, they have to tell the suspect of that complaint as part of their Miranda warnings. That's not new law. That, that mm-hmm. decision came out way back when, but it's something that has been revisited Um, and I didn't count them, but in the majority of the cases that we discussed, that issue of when and how police have to tell a suspect what they're facing, 
right? Um, because there's been a, there were a couple cases where, okay, the police didn't actually have the charges typed up, right? They hadn't put pen to paper yet, but they knew that they were going to, they had probable cause to charge this person. Now, the, the courts seem to be pretty clear that, well, if, if they don't have the complaint in hand, um, really the only time they would have to advise a suspect of what they are facing um, would be, you know, a situation where the police can't deceive a person as to the true status of where they are, right? There was a couple cases that came down mm-hmm. that, um, you know, the guy that was... They can't lie. Right. They, they can't, can't lie about, about someone's they status. they are on mm-hmm. their investigation. Right. Well, they can... And, you know, we don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here. Police can lie when they're interrogating people. Um, but they, what they can't lie about is uh, the, this person's status as whether or not they're going to be charged. If they specifically ask the officer and the officer deceives that person, that's a problem. But for the most right. part, Sims and all the cases that came after seem to suggest that, again, this is not new law, but it's been clarified for us. Police have a complaint, have an arrest warrant for an individual. They have to tell them as part of their Miranda warnings. That was my takeaway. And although that, right. again, as that I've was, said, that's not new I, law, I think the number and nature of all of these cases that we, that we went through just highlight that quote that I said a couple minutes ago, that the importance of the Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. Correct, which is weird because, you know, we're kind of, you know, there's the right to remain silent and then uh, the right to an attorney. And, um, you know, New Jersey's law is, is, I think, clear that even an ambiguous invocation or a question, a question of, do I need a lawyer? Should I have a lawyer? Is there a lawyer? And any, you know, to this point, I think if a defendant says lawyer and there's an, it's unsure what they're asking for, um, you know, however ambiguous. Are, yes, it's however ambiguous that there needs to be a clarification of what what the defendant is asking or the the target of the interrogation is asking, or there needs to be a stopping of questioning. And and it's important to clarify that, that this is the state of the law in New Jersey because it is not the same in federal. Correct. So let's just stop for a second for our listeners and just take one minute because you touched upon it, but I think it's important to go over it. And that is the Fifth Amendment includes two separate rights, right? The right to remain Mm -hmm. silent as well as the right to an attorney. And you are absolutely correct. In New Jersey, that right to an attorney uh, is the, the rules that police have to follow when they're dealing with an individual who Uh, is invoking the right to an attorney. Those rules are even stricter than the rules Mm -hmm. when someone, um, however ambiguous, invokes the right to remain silent, right? And you're right. right. The right to remain silent, if they're invoking the right to remain silent, this is the just stop talking. Don't say anything more. You know, you can't can't invoke and then continue to talk. Well, (laughs) it doesn't work. Correct. Right. But but I think that uh, when it comes to whether or not someone is asking for a lawyer, um, as you Mm -hmm. said, you know, federal law, it's got to be pretty clear that the person wants a lawyer, right? In New Jersey, 
even if it's ambiguous, it's up to the police to have to stop and clarify um, whether or not the person uh, wants a lawyer or not. And so the, like the first case that we discussed, State versus Laura Gonzalez, uh, that was mm-hmm. decided back in February of 2002, that was the issue, right? The, right. And the, she said, I, I was going to give examples, mm-hmm. you know, when people, people always say like, what, how are you ambiguously asking for a lawyer? It's when the person is saying, but now what do I do about an attorney? Or do I need an attorney? Or, you know, it's really asking um, or mentioning an attorney and not understanding, you know, um, how the attorney appears. (laughs) So um, in the Gonzalez case, she did say, well, what about an attorney? Um, Or do I need an attorney? what do I do about an attorney? And that was considered an ambiguous invocation. Right. And the court relied on well-established law in New Jersey, which does differ from the, from the federal standard um, in that, you know, a suspect does not have to be articulate, clear, or explicit when requesting a lawyer. Any indication of a desire for counsel, however ambiguous, will trigger entitlement to counsel. Uh, and again, this is not new law, but it is uh, It is certainly uh, this case, this Laura Gonzalez case, she was convicted, right? She went all went through the appellate division and got reversed by this, the New Jersey Supreme Court. So I think it's important to note that although this isn't new law, it's these are issues that continue to come up. And so it's important for police prosecutors, defense attorneys, citizens to know what their rights are. Um, of course, as defense Correct. attorneys, we always recommend not, mm-hmm. not saying anything without a lawyer present. But as we know, uh, many times we are faced with cases where uh, the person's already given a statement. Um, and the first thing Correct. I look at when I review that statement is whether or not they asked for a lawyer or even hinted at needing a lawyer. Correct. But it is interesting because one of the cases we read, I'm trying to remember the name of which one, um, there was there was a detective who did a really good job of following up with clarifying questions to determine what they were asking and whether they wanted an attorney. Mm-hmm. And because of the follow-up questions and clarification, and then the defendant said, no, no, I, I, I want to talk um, without, it, it, without an attorney. Um, that decision and uh, interrogation was upheld as uh, constitutional. Right, because, because the police officer the did initial, his job. Mm-hmm. Yes, even though the initial, uh, do I need an attorney or should I get an attorney or what about an attorney questioning, which was... Um, ambiguous it was clarified so i think um trying to remember which case it was well i i i remember the one that you're that you're referring to and i think the the takeaway is there needs to be clarification um and if the and if the officer doesn't uh and continues with the questioning um that's a problem that's a problem right I do think it's a good case for law enforcement to see how to ask the clarifying questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, of all the cases that we that we discussed in our training. If if folks out there are listening and they want to read one one case that 
Um, I think oh, yeah. it, it is state mm-hmm. versus Sims. Um, and I think that that case is so important because all the cases that came after it in the area of Miranda this year uh, cited to it. And it's a case where the New Jersey Supreme Court uh, you know, reversed the decision of the appellate division. Um, and Right. And so just for our listeners, it's State versus Anthony Sims, S-I-M-S, Jr., and it's the docket number is A-53-20. Um, and it was decided on March 16, 2022. Um, just if anyone wants to find it, that's the best way to do it because there's not a site yet. Right, right. And the the issue in that case is whether or not, and as I've touched upon this already, but whether or not the police have to inform um, a suspect uh, if they may be charged. And it, the without getting into it too, too much detail, the appellate division um, had um, suggested a new rule that would have required uh, and would have expanded the state of the law in New Jersey, as stated in State versus AGD, would have expanded that rule um, to you know, require um, police to tell someone, tell, tell a suspect um, in, from the officer's prediction based on what charges uh, may be filed based upon information learned to date in the investigation. New Jersey right. Supreme Court said no. It, it's not. And, and, and no. the New Jersey Supreme Court <laughs> followed Justice or uh, Judge uh, Ron Suswine's dissent from the appellate division and said, no, that's impractical, um, it's unwarranted, and we're just going to stick with state versus AGD, which has been the state of the law, um, you know, since, what, 2003, Um, and that is, we're not going to expand it. Right, so this was an interesting fact pattern, though, because it raises the question, um, the police, the detectives spoke to the defendant, um, knowing that the defendant was identified as the shooter. Mm-hmm. So they could have already had a complaint warrant, arrest warrant in their hand, but they didn't. And so um, it is interesting to see, although I think you're right, the law is really clear. If there's no warrant, if there's no complaint warrant, no arrest a warrant with regards to the charges, the detectives or police are not required to inform the defendant. Um, I think that's where the line is. But it is interesting um, because I think the appellate court at least recognized the potential of law enforcement not to obtain the warrant until after the interrogation. I mean, you'd agree with that, right? 100%. And I think if I was still in the business of training police officers, um, that I would suggest that they not interrogate a suspect. Um, if you know, I, I, what I would say is I would say interrogate the suspect or attempt to interrogate the suspect prior to to, to typing up paper on them. Correct. I would too. Twenty six years as a criminal defense attorney, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, there does appear to be one case in the pipeline 
um, that's readdressing this issue that I find interesting that the New Jersey Supreme Court took the same issue again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it is interesting. And uh, the Supreme Court decision in State versus Anthony Sims was not a unanimous decision. Right. Right. I, I, I think that. I think we'll definitely see this issue uh, again and again. Um, uh, you know, it, it's there are several cases that uh, the, I think the New Jersey Supreme Court just heard oral argument in the case of Jamal Wade. There are still some uh, Miranda cases that are in the pipeline. Um, but, you know, the appellate division cases and correct me if I'm wrong, but the appellate division cases that have come out. Um, that have been decided since the New Jersey Supreme Court decided State versus Sims have all cited to Sims as the state of the law in New Jersey. Uh, and Absolutely. so, right. Um, although, as I indicated, I think there was one case that um, suggested that the police misled, affirmatively misled a person when the person asked as, you know, as to, as to what they could be charged with. Um, that's, that's a no-no, but I think for the most part, um, it is clear. Complaint in hand, got to tell a suspect. No complaint in hand, no obligation to tell a suspect. You know. So why, why were there 11 cases so far this year, which really seem to focus on this one issue? Well, I, I mean, think, you know, smart people disagree all the time. That's why we have the law. Um, I think that it's, I think that there are a lot of well-intentioned officers and detectives who want to solidify their case and get a confession. And so we see this issue arising all the time because once an individual uh, confesses to a crime, it pretty much seals the deal, right? And so... um, that that because it's such an important right it gets scrutinized very carefully and what i would say to those well-intentioned detectives is that you know there were there were a couple cases that we looked at where individuals who were uh, charged with and who confessed to extremely serious violent crimes those cases you know got sent back and and that happens a lot so um you know i guess if you are um, a a, um, a detective that's trying to um, really solidify your case, just remember um, that if you cross that line, if you do not um, if you do not protect the person's constitutional rights, that is your job to do, um, the case is going to come back, right? The right. case is going to come back. Right. I mean, the, you had the, the the very heinous crime that we talked about. Um, the the man who uh, essentially murdered his wife, right? Um, that case, uh, it was State versus Abba Yuba Rivas, uh, and that was an invocation of counsel case. Um, the defendant, you know, had invoked his right to counsel. It was ambiguous. Um, they, the detectives under the state of the law were required to clarify the ambiguity or stop questioning, but instead continued to, to question yeah. him. Now, in that particular case, um, you know, the 
everyone agreed that that first interview should get thrown out. But at the end of that interview, he had asked to see them again the next day. They went back. They questioned him again. Um, and the issue really in that case went to whether or not the second statement um, should get suppressed, should get thrown out. And right. the court and held you know that it did. I, no break, no break yeah. in the, really the questioning. So Right. And you know it's egregious when everyone's agreeing that the first statement needed to be thrown out, right? I mean, yeah. um, rarely, rarely does is that agreed upon. But I and, and that the shouldn't first happen. case we mentioned was State versus Laura Gonzalez, which also, you know, these are really serious cases with, um, you know, true victims, um, you know, and. Uh, Truthfully, they didn't need, in either of those cases, they didn't really need the statements. But, um, you know, the the asking of the lawyer um, wasn't even that ambiguous for either of those individuals. They really were saying, you know, what about an attorney? Do I need an attorney? Um, I do want to just state that the I think there's the decision or the case that's in front of the Supreme Court this year um, is state versus RBL, and it's a it's pretty much the same exact issue that was decided in Sims, um, which always makes me wonder why they're taking um, the case to begin with. Um, but I would tell our listeners to be out on to be on the lookout um, to see if that changes anything. I I would predict that it does not. Right, we'll anything. have to do a follow up when that when that decision comes out. Um, but um, but it is addressing the same issue in Sims, and it's and it makes the argument that we've discussed that um, it allows law enforcement to potentially um, try to hide the ball a little bit longer um, by not issuing the complaint warrant or the arrest warrant. Right. But just on a very basic level, again in New Jersey, and this is uh, different than the federal standard prosecutors have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt in New Jersey uh, that the statement was taken knowingly, intelligently, voluntarily. Is that correct? Yes. And that's the it highest standard in the law. So, and it's, and it is really important to know that, that New Jersey does um, have a higher protection and, and, acknowledges the importance of Miranda to that extent, you know, um, not just did you invoke your right to remain silent, did you ask for a lawyer, but it's also is the state in itself knowing intelligent and voluntary. Right, and can the state prove that beyond a reasonable doubt? And that's that's probably a good place for us to, to, to end, although I would say that um, we should maybe talk another time about other areas of, of the law in New Jersey where New Jersey affords its citizens greater protections than they would receive under the federal standard. You know, it's funny that you said that because I was thinking, what other CLEs and uh, uh, educational courses to lawyers or law enforcement would you really like to see us happen with M2 legal training. I mean, there's so many, so many different options. <laughs> right, right. And, and that's because the law changes all the time. So hopefully we can have a uh, another CLE fairly soon. 
I love this cross pollination. <laughs> it works. It works. I think it's a. I think it's a good thing. And we didn't. You know, we didn't really get into a lot of the down and dirty facts of any of these cases. But I think this was a good starting point. When we teach the class again, and all of our listeners come and see us in person, uh, we'll be able to get into the details of all the cases. This podcast is not a source of legal advice. No two legal cases are the same. Contact an attorney if you require legal assistance. The best way to follow, subscribe, rate, or message the show is to visit njcriminalpodcast.com. Podcasting is a powerful sales tool with digital marketing benefits. If you're interested in law firm podcasting, simply dial 239-351-5575 and ask for Tom. That's 239-351-5575 or go to lawfirmpodcasts.com to schedule a call.